Um, I'm going to pass this around. It is our spring retreat sign up. If you haven't signed up, it is going to be not this weekend, but the following weekend. And it is at Appalachian Christian Camp. Um, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, the cost is $25. And then if you want to go whitewater rafting on that Saturday, that's going to be an additional $35. Um, uh, you can like the message in the group me and uh, we'll, we'll get you signed up for that. Um, we need to know by today though for whitewater rafting because we are calling tomorrow to make the reservation. So um, if that's something you're interested in, uh, it, it should be a good time. I think we have about 15 or 16 signed up to go whitewater rafting. Um, but I'm going to pass this around for the retreat. Um, no need to put your name on there twice. Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, we are. Uh, we have been studying the Gospel of Mark this whole year, and it turns out that we are going to be uh, finishing up the Gospel of Mark perfectly. So we have um, three more summits after today, and there's three more chapters after today, and so um, and so it, it works out perfectly. But uh, you know, when I was in middle school, uh, before you guys were even born, a lot of you were even born. I uh, there was something called Y2K. So I, I don't know if you guys know what Y2K <laughs> is, but um, Y2K was this problem that uh, happened because all of the computers at the time were only programmed up to like 1999, and they weren't programmed to switch from 1999 to the year 2000. And during uh, 1999 and the months leading up to the New Year's, they it was all over the news, and everyone thought that there was going to be like it was going to be the end of the world. It was going to be mass chaos. People thought that uh, banks were going to fail, and like you were going to lose all your money. People, some people thought that planes were going to shut off like midair and be falling out of the skies, and the world was going to go into anarchy and chaos, and everything was just going to go to crap. Um, and and so. Corporations and governments and companies literally spent millions of dollars to update their computers so that uh, things wouldn't go bad and that they would be able to handle the change from 1999 to 2000. Fast forward 12 years, and maybe some of you are old enough to remember this, but uh, in 2012, the Mayan calendar ended, right? And a lot of people thought that that was going to be the end of the world, that the Mayans had predicted when the world would end, and that was going to be December 21st, 2012. I think they actually made a movie about it. And uh, some people thought that a planet was going to collide with Earth, and that was going to be the end of the Earth. Or some people thought that uh, volcanoes were going to erupt, and the whole world was going to end on or around December uh, 21st, 2012, just because that's when the Mayans, uh, their calendar ended. <clears throat> the Jehovah's Witnesses have predicted the end of the world. I think that they're, they're on their ninth or tenth try now. Um, and, but they've, they've predicted like the end of the world nine or ten times. None have been successful. And one of my favorites is in 1988, a guy named Edgar uh, Wiseant, he wrote a book called 
88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. And uh, this book literally sold close to, sold and distributed uh, close to 5 million copies around the U.S. As a culture, we are uh, obsessed with the end times, aren't we? Right? We, we seem to be obsessed with the end times. And why do you guys think that is? Um, I think as a culture, and specifically Christians, they are obsessed with the end times because they want to be prepared. Right? They, they want to be prepared for when it happens. My wife and I, we have um, what we call uh, bug out bags or go bags. Have you guys heard of these? Um, they're bags that we have prepared uh, with like food and water and fire starters and like a life straw and weapons and so forth. So that uh, if an emergency happens, we can just grab the bag and go, right? Or bug out with, with this bag and be prepared. Um, but yeah, so we have these bug out bags to prepare us in case of an emergency. And in uh, Mark chapter 13, the, the book that we are in, um, Jesus, he, he tells his disciples about about the future, and I think it's so that they can be prepared as well. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 13. Uh, we're going to start right at the beginning of verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones and the walls. Jesus replied, Yes, look at these great buildings but they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. I find it interesting that the disciples were the ones that were pointing out these, these stones and, and the, the architecture of the temple um, when just a day or so earlier, right, two chapters earlier, this was the same temple that uh, Jesus went in and cleared. Isn't it funny how we can idolize and make sacred things that we find magnificent? We can idolize and make sacred things that are, are grand and that we find magnificent. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, the disciples, they... <laughs> They were idolizing the temple, even though Jesus, he had gone in and cleared it just a day or so earlier. And so what temples are in your life that need to be destroyed? What are the temples that are in your life that you have idolized and made sacred that need to be destroyed? Maybe it's a church building, right? Maybe it's the church building that you grew up in. And maybe they uh, are making renovations or moving locations and you aren't happy about it because it's what you know and what you love and it's what you've grown up in. Maybe it's a tradition that you have had, right? Maybe it's a family tradition or a tradition from your church and, and you've always liked this tradition and you've idolized it and made it sacred. 
Maybe it's a worship style or a set of songs. Maybe it's a minister or a pastor, or maybe it's even a denomination. You see, we all have things in our lives that we have idolized and made sacred. And I think Jesus, he often wants to go in and clear out the temples in our lives that we idolize and make sacred in order to make room for the spirit and for himself. I think Jesus, right, he wants to clear out the temples that we have idolized and made sacred to make room for himself instead. Continuing on in verse uh, 3, it says, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, Tell us when all this happen. When will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? And so the disciples are asking Jesus a question that maybe some of you have had, right? When is this going to happen? When is the end times going to happen? And uh, Jesus, you know, when talking about chapter 13, the theologians kind of fall into two camps, right? Uh, the first camp is that they believe that Jesus, he was talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And, and you know, we know by history that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and that was, and the events that Jesus are talking about happened, happened in 70 AD. And then there's another group of theologians that kind of believe that Jesus is talking about his second return. And, you know, I, I, kind, of, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle there, right? I believe um, that Jesus is kind of following the example of Old Testament prophets, and he's using an example of a near event to kind of foreshadow and explain what's going to happen in a far future event. And so Jesus, he, I, I think he's using the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the events that are going to happen with the destruction of the temple to foreshadow and kind of use it as an example and microcosm of what's going to happen when he returns his second time. And so that's kind of where I fall in the camp. You can do your own research and, and figure out where you fall, but... Um, that tends to be where I fall, right? I, I think he's kind of talking about both of the destruction of the temple and his second return. Uh, but he goes on and, and he responds to uh, their question, the disciples' question of when these events will happen by explaining what's going to happen in future events, whether it's 70 AD or when he returns. And we're not going to read it for the sake of time, but he says, you know, that there's going to be false teachers and false messiahs and prophets. All right, he talks about wars and natural disasters. Uh, he talks about a lot about persecution from uh, family, the world, and government, right? And so he talks about all these things that are going to happen in the future. But then if you jump down to verse 32 of Mark chapter 13, it reads, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. 
Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip when he left home. Uh, long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper, watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. We started with the question of like, why are so many Christians specifically obsessed with the end times? And, and we kind of came to the conclusion it's that so that they can be prepared. But I think if, if, if we dig deeper and peel back the layers a little bit, it's more, that, more than that. I think it's because they know that they are prepared. You see, when you aren't prepared, you want to know the signs of the end times so that you can prepare last minute. But those that are prepared, those that have a relationship with Christ, they're going to be able to discern false teachers and false messiahs. Those that are prepared and know Christ intimately, they're going to be able to endure persecution and trials. Those that are prepared and have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, they aren't going to be worried about the end times, but instead they're going to be anticipating it because it means that they get to go and be with the one that they love. So how do you know if you're prepared? Right? That's the question, right? How do you know if you're prepared? And I think there's a couple ways. I think the first is, are you fearful of the end times? Or are you anticipating it and at peace with it? Back when I was in middle school during Y2K, I remember I was... Um, <coughs> Right before midnight, like I, I was saying a prayer to God as kind of like a last Hail Mary to, to God in case the world did, you know, turn into anarchy, right? I was fearful of the end times then, right? But fast forward to the Mayan calendar, right? Like I, I didn't even remember when that was. I had to look it up on Google before, before this lesson, right? I was at peace with it because I, I, I'm prepared now. And so I think the first way you can tell if you're prepared is, are you fearful for the end times, or are you at peace with it? And I think another way you can tell, right, is are you doing the bare minimum to be in relationship with Christ? Are you doing the bare minimum, or are you in a relationship with Christ to, to really know him and become more like him? See, people who do the bare minimum, they are in relationship with Christ for the benefits that it brings them. 
I kind of equate it to uh, wanting to befriend someone or know someone, maybe a, uh, a certain person or an influencer or a celebrity, right? Not because you actually care to know that person, but because of all the benefits that it brings you by being in association with them. And I think there's a lot of Christians that, uh, that are close to, uh, to Christ, not, in, not for what they can do for Christ, but for the benefits that Christ gives them. And so if you're doing the bare minimum, you're not going to be prepared. Because if you're doing the bare minimum, when trials come and persecution comes, you aren't going to be willing to pay the cost. You don't actually know Christ, so you're going to be fooled and tricked by those false teachers and those false messiahs. I had something else, but I forgot what I was going to say there. All right, we'll move on. Um, uh, I have this written down. It says, uh, Jesus told us these words in chapter 13, not only to prepare us, but to let us know what the cost of following him actually is. Right? Jesus didn't tell us these words just to prepare us. He told us these words and what's going to happen to us as followers of him so that we know the cost of actually following him. You see, when you're prepared and you actually want to know Christ and you, you want to become more like him, you welcome the trials and the persecution because you know it's going to make you more like him and is going to draw you closer to Jesus. And so I'm going to kind of end tonight with a question, right? What type of Christian are you? Are you a Christian that's prepared? Or are you a Christian that's unprepared? Are you fearful of the end times? Are you just doing the bare minimum for all the benefits that Christ gives you? Or are you okay with the cost, the trials, the persecution? Because you know that it's going to bring you closer to Christ and make you more like him. And only you can decide that. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you guys to do an uh, introspective look at your own lives and really, really decide for yourself and decide which one are you. Um, that's all I have prepared for tonight. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, I think we have a, another song in some other